Well, hello again, Dave. Nice to have you on the podcast again. Thank you very much for having me again. I appreciate being here. Oh, yes, us as well. I am so super excited to meet the rest of your team. But if you could just give us a little bit of a background on Boots on the Ground and the amazing things that you guys are doing. Sure. So Boots on the Ground is a volunteer-run organization, and we provide 24-7 peer support to all first responders across the province. That includes police, fire, EMS, corrections, and nurses, both serving and retired, and both frontline and civilian members. And coming this spring or early summer, we're going to be serving the military as well. Um, and we have a, a bunch of other programs, including a therapy dog program, a psychologist payment program, group debrief program, uh, and the one we're here to talk about today is our amazing PTSD service cell program. Thank you. And I am so excited. I'm such a dog, well, an animal lover, but uh, anything to do with dogs. And I've seen the amazing work uh, that animals can do uh, and the love and the compassion that they show those that uh, could be suffering uh, with mental struggles. And uh, I cannot wait to speak to your team. So can you introduce them? Absolutely. Uh, on the right-hand side of the screen is my lovely bride, Linda McLennan, and she Linda. is the program manager uh, for the PTSD service dog program. And to her left is Lynn Jorgensen, one of our longtime volunteers, and she's the training manager of the program. Welcome, ladies. So excited. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for you guys to come on. I was hoping we could do this live, but perhaps next time. I can't wait to meet some of our furry little friends. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. Two women, obviously powerful women, doing amazing work. Uh, and if you don't mind, do you can you talk a little bit about your history and kind of prior to joining and starting Boots on the Ground, Linda? Do you mind just to tell us what you did prior to this? Sure. Uh, my career was in healthcare technology, where I've worked for uh, more than thirty years. Um, in the Toronto area, mostly most of those 30 years was in uh, pediatric rehabilitation. Um, so working with young children um, in these facilities and all the wonderful people that help them. Oh, that so you prior to this, you still did something that really helped and changed lives. That's awesome. No wonder you are where you are. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lynn. I'm uh, retired from Peel Police, and uh, I spent 22 years there in the communication center as a dispatcher and 911 operator. Wow, same. It's funny how, I think Dave, you and I had this conversation last time you were on. It's funny how you just continue service and you continue to serve and help others. That is so amazing. So thank you ladies so much for sharing that with us. Can you tell us a little bit about your program? I'm so interested and cannot wait to hear sort of what you do because you don't do the normal, you know, let's just say uh, support uh, animal or support dog. From what I understand, the little bit that I understand from Dave and from everything I've read, it's quite different and quite, you know, unique and innovative. So can you tell us what you do to help and once you, you know, have the puppy sort of start to finish? 
Sure. Do you want me to get started? Yeah, sure. Um, so what we do is a, a little bit different, and it comes from some of our experience in the past of uh, fostering other service dogs outside of this program. And what we decided here was to actually um, provide a puppy to an individual with PTSD early on and look for some early gains just by having a puppy, much like you talked about your wonderful dog and, and how good it is for you. Um, it's the same thing that we were looking for. At the beginning of the program, for an individual to take home a nine-week-old puppy. Nine weeks. Wow, that's, nine a, weeks. that's a big commitment. I love that. It, it's a big commitment and it's a lot of hard work. And we tell everyone you need to be ready for this because everyone forgets what it's like to either have a baby or a puppy and they get up and the they're night. sort of the same, aren't they? Exactly. So lots they have of, to commit to um, yeah, taking care of this puppy. And what we do is we meet with them every week in person at a training facility where they are guided through the process of all the basic commands for the dog. That's during the first 12 to 14 months of the puppy's life. They are coming wow. every week to training. So can I ask something? And I want to, I want you to continue. I don't want to interrupt this amazing process, but I guess in my mind, knowing quite a few uh, friends and family that have suffered from PTSD isn't that sort of giving them a purpose? It's exactly part of the plan. So we really, what happens is in our journey, we've, we've come across a number of people that become uh, socially uh, isolated. Um, they lack purpose. And really, once they receive this puppy, a couple of things happen immediately. Whether you're, you've started the training process or not, but that dog needs to be walked. And you might not have been outside in your neighborhood in some time. Right. So the first step is really getting you outside, walking that dog twice a day. It's a puppy. It doesn't go very far. And you probably don't want to go very far either. But what happens is that you're out in the neighborhood. You reconnect with your neighbors. People see you out working with your dog. And the dog is giving you purpose. You need to feed the dog. You need to walk the dog. And it's the start of the journey for the individual. I love that. How and so in between, you know, do the do the individuals, you know, kind of struggling with uh, their their illness, do they know that? Is it subconsciously sort of they're going to know they have to walk, feed, care for another life? Do they know that going in or do you feel like how do you sort of prepare them? How do you guide you them or how do that. you maybe vet them to think, okay, is this a good individual for us to give this responsibility to? So there is an interview process. Um, we do ask people to submit in writing, you know, fill out an application and, and give us some information to support their request. Uh, and then we do have a, an interview process one-on-one, -on -one, similar to what we're doing here today. Um, and so part of what we do is we discuss what the program is all about what the goals are, uh, how we uh, hope to get there, and also the expectations. And not only expectations of what they can expect from us, but what we can expect from them. And really opening their eyes as to what is the reality of this program. It is very, very difficult. So we are very honest with the people. We don't try to shock them into it, but it, you know, there's no point in sugarcoating the responsibilities that come with having I a love I love and that so, because it's important for them to know because you don't want to to foster or to to give a dog and then have to 
uh, take the dog back and, you know, have this person maybe fail or not be able to care for the dog. So it's great that you're able to kind of vet them that way. And how long would you say that process is from the day they kind of submit their application to you to when they actually would be considered or uh, be given a pup? It varies. Um, we've only done two classes so far, uh, so two groups of three dogs. Um, and typically what happens is once we know that we've got funding to proceed with another three dogs is that we look at the people that have been referred to us. So sometimes people will be referred and we'll say we're not really looking at the next group at this point, we'll circle back to you. So they're not really on a waiting list. What they're doing is they've expressed some interest and we circle back to them at the time that we're ready to commit to more dogs in the program. Wonderful. Now, can I ask this question again, anything you don't want to answer, just say, you know, I don't want to discuss this, but uh, what would it, what would it take to fund say one dog? If somebody wanted to come to you and said, you know, I'd like to fund one dog or 10 dogs. What, what would that, what would that look like from a, you don't need to explain where the money goes because I think yep. it's evident. What would something like that cost? So in our program, uh, it's estimated to be just under $10,000 for a dog to start the program to completion. And during that period of time, the dog is attending training on a weekly basis and, um, we're providing food for the dog, we're providing insurance, and as well as the cost of the dog. There's a spay and neuter process somewhere in that around the uh, end of the first year, and that's also covered by Boots on the Ground. That's amazing. So that 10,000 is over a two-year period to get that dog from start to finish. Okay, and is there any cost to the to the new owner, or this is completely funded through your uh, you know, your fundraising efforts and whatnot and donations. So the uh, owner of the dog is uh, required, we cover a big portion of it, but what they're required is treats and toys and all those things that you can spend a lot of money on, as you know, with a dog. And <laughs> oh, I know yes. with a dog, two dogs. A hundred percent. So that's really what they're putting into it in the first two years. At the end of And the obviously program, food and everything like that as well, right? So we're covering a good portion of the food for them. So um, when we can, if we've got the funding for it, we are providing food for the dogs. Um, and that will be until the dog is uh, almost two years old when they graduate. Wow. Wow. That's a gift all on its own. I would like to ask you, how do you, what kind of dogs, like what, what breeds, I guess you're more looking, I would assume more looking for temperament, but do you pick small dogs, big dogs, rescue dogs? Can you give us a little information about that? So uh, right now we're using labs uh, and we've had some success with that, but we're also, we're hoping to branch out and try different breeds. Certainly there are some breeds that are better suited than others. Um, so we are doing some research on that, but we're hoping to find different breeds. There are different needs. Some people, depending on what their lifestyles are, you know, uh, living conditions or, or living quarters, size of homes, that sort of thing, cars, they may want a smaller dog versus somebody who wants a bigger dog. Um, so we're, we're looking to kind of expand that, but we're not there yet. We haven't made any decisions, but currently. We're yeah. And you're still sort of young in the. Um, process. But I mean, nobody can discount the importance 
uh, of what you're doing, you're essentially giving somebody their life back is the way that I view it. We hope so. Um, they have a life and we're just hoping to make things better for them. And I think dogs can do that. Yes. Now, when I say giving them their life back, what I mean is somebody that's really suffering with mental health illness, like you said, they don't go outside, they don't socialize, mm -hmm. they're very isolated. That's, you know, that was sort of the norm prior to the pandemic, but for sure, the pandemic allowed that it was like now socially acceptable. And I feel like what you guys are doing is sort of forcing them to come out of hiding. And when I say give their life back, let them breathe fresh air on a regular basis, you know, interact, even if it's not necessarily with neighbors, they're interacting with their animals and they're interacting with you guys once a week. Exactly. They actually interact with us twice a week. So in addition to them being in class, we support them one day a week in a video call. Oh, so I whatever we learn in class, um, they go home, they need to be practicing. Um, twice a day, they need to be working on the techniques we worked on in class and we support them. So once a week, we all get together and do a video call. There's three people in the program. There's a trainer and Lynn and myself on the call and we're there to support each other, whether it's with dog training, the people in the program can support each other just by chatting and asking questions. There's other things going on in their life besides this program. Uh, return to work, WSIB, they've all kind of been in that mix and they can offer advice to each other. So it's really something where they can help each other and that happens on Tuesday, whether we're helping them with some training techniques or whether they're just helping each other with some issues that are going on. And having a chit chat. That is awesome because to me, it's almost like you're creating this community mm -hmm. of like-minded people, regardless of their struggle and regardless of outside influences, they're together, whether it's, you know, a 30 or 60 minute call, like you said, it is still giving them that human connection, which is so incredibly important. I, I just, I commend you for what you are doing. And I have to ask you, how did you even think about this? How did you get involved with doing something like this? Well, I think the, the first thing um, with Dave uh, starting boots on the ground in that journey, we started to see a lot of people out there that have um, been socially isolated, um, that had problems with triggers that weren't out very often. And Dave said one day, you know, we need to be able to support a PTSD service dog. And that was kind of the beginning of it, him saying, we should do this because Dave and I were fostering uh, puppies and training for Dog Guides Canada. So we already knew a bit about that beginning oh. process. Got it. And so what we did is uh, Lynn and I got together and looked at a process of getting the dogs in the hands of people earlier to have earlier gains. So we were really cutting out people like Dave and I that do that puppy fostering business and letting that individual connect and bond with the dog early. So it was kind of an idea, Lynn and I got together, we determined what it should look like. We sourced out trainers and facilities to be able to, to run uh, this type of program and then just started a pilot. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing this? We started in September 2020 was the first group of dogs that went out. 
Uh, right now we have uh, one dog that has fully graduated from the program. Yay. We've got three others that right now are pretty close. Mm -hmm. I would say it's not going to be long, a few more months, and we've got three others that'll be uh, ready to, to, to graduate as well. That's awesome. So you'll be ready for the, essentially the third batch. Now, I want to just tell everybody what the noise in the background was, because <laughs> I loved it. Every, I, you saw me smiling throughout sort of serious questions that I was asking, and I was only smiling because I know what that noise is. Do you want to share? Uh, so that's one of our poodles. We have poodles in our house, two of them, and they are very picky. <laughs> and uh, rarely you know eat when they should eat and we're sitting here on a call and she decides <laughs> that she's going to munch down an entire meal oh that is awesome i love it you know and at the end of the day they're like our children i told you i i have a little frenchie that's just has a mind of her own i've always had german shepherds and it's funny the way my pup came about to me was my second son was going through some mental health issues. And he's like, mom, I need an emotional support dog. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. They've been bugging me for a dog since our, our last one passed, which was a shepherd. And uh, a, a lot of our friends have Frenchies and I thought, oh, they're cute and whatever, they're small. They're not a lot of work. Yeah, uh, wrong. It's like having another four kids with having this pup. I mean, she's not a pup now, but I definitely got the lemon where it's like hip replacements and this and that. Regardless of all of that, I see the joy and the love that, you know, everybody has for her within our family. Doesn't matter if you're having the shittiest day of your life, you come home and somebody's, you know, jumping all over you and happy to meet you and bringing the ball and, you know, putting it against your leg. It, there's almost no room for you to be annoyed, right? Or to focus on your not so great day or your not so great mood or moment, right? And what you guys are doing is the same. It's, you know, the love of, of a dog is so unconditional, right? Exactly. So it's, exactly. Um, it is so amazing. I'd like to ask you, maybe, maybe you're going to say nothing, but you have something that's the hardest part of this job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't, we can't say cleaning up poop because that's like my worst, but it's necessary, necessary evil. I mean, have you ever had to take uh, a pup back because the person maybe wasn't able to care for uh, their, their pet or what would you say? No, so certainly on, on one occasion, we um, took care of uh, one of the dogs for one of the individuals that was having some, there were some family things that were going on. And we've offered everybody in the program, if you feel overwhelmed, especially with that brand new puppy, we will help you out. We can take the dog for a week or two weeks. You know, we've got two dogs. What's one more? It's a lot, but we, it's, you know, what's one more. So we've done that before, just helping somebody out. And then the dog goes back to them. But what we find is that once they get bonded to the dog, they are not letting it go. Because now if I've got some, some things going on in my life, I really need that comfort from the dog. And it's, you don't see that dog coming back very often. Oh, you know what? I see both of your angel wings in the back behind you you really are heaven sent and i 
I see, you know, just both of you as human beings, you're so giving and so caring to others. And it's so important in this time and the world we live in. Again, I, I focus very little on, on the past and on the pandemic, um, but the work that you're doing is so incredible and so important. And I know that you both know that, but just even saying, okay, you know, I'll take your puppy back while you deal with, you know, whatever, that, that is so massive. Like the support that you're giving is huge. They, they need the support and they need to know that we're here for them. Um, it, it's a tough journey. They say yes to that puppy. And I'll tell you, Lynn tells them, this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And other people in the program will tell you exactly that. It was the hardest thing I've done. And they'll go, I'm ready for it. And she'll say, it, it's hard. It's a puppy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lots of things happen. They chew things. They eat things. They you know, all kinds of things happen with a puppy. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. Thank sorry. No, the, go ahead. The people, the applicants at that point come into this thinking, oh, it's, it's, I'll go to puppy class and it'll be fine. And puppies are sweet. And it's, that's not the case. It's not the case. I mean, I, I, like I said, we don't sugarcoat. We try to tell them exactly what to expect. And oftentimes we've seen this, you know, in the two groups, we'll say, okay, your dogs are this age. They're going to go through this phase now. And they, oh, not my dog, my dog's sweet. And then give it a month, you know, I said, oh boy, were you ever right? You know, and because we try to prepare them and let them know what it is that's coming and, and how to deal with it. Because uh, although, you know, yes, these dogs are chosen specifically for these individuals. We do have somebody come in and do a temperament test and choose the very best dogs that, you know, that are available. Um, they're still puppies and there's no escaping all the puppy business that goes along with that. Isn't it called the terrible twos, turbulent threes, but in dog years, obviously the stages are different, but it's the same. I mean, I, I can only see, I don't know whose house you're in, but I know you come into my house and I can't tell you how many times we've repaired baseboards. I've had shepherds <laughs> never, ever chewed a baseboard in her life. She did a whole bunch of other nonsense, but, and it's funny because every time right before she gets sick, because they can't talk she'll do something like that. And I'm like, you know, it, it took me a few times of replacing the baseboards and kind of cluing in that they're doing something for a reason. And yeah, some of it's naughty behavior, but you know, sometimes there's, you know, you got to think past that behavior too. Yes. Some of it's stages and, you know, maybe something else is, uh, you know, brewing for, for the pup too. Right. So I'm sure you guys teach all that wonderful psychology and <laughs> what your dog tells you and all that fun stuff. Right. Or do you not have baseboards? Because I was thinking of just removing mine altogether. Yeah, I, I would say that the puppies uh, in our program have done that. And we know for sure at one of the houses. And, and our first the first thing we say is tire that dog out. It's a puppy. The dogs that we have in the program right now, their labs, they need to be tired. That, yeah. And yeah, if you give them a minute and you think that they're just sitting there nicely, oh, look at them lying down right near the baseboard. They're actually gnawing on it and you don't know. Uh, so you've seen that, right? A thousand percent. And it's funny because I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, that it changes. Uh, again, just speaking from my own experience, my son decided to plug in his Fitbit or whatever into the wall 
right beside the dog bed. Well, she saw this dangling thing going back and forth. Well, there was no watch band left. He's got like the little thing on it. And so he's saving up for a new band. But, you know, I mean, you can train them the best you can. The only thing I always say, it's sort of like having a kid. If you don't want them at it, just put it out of the way where, you know, they're not going to be tempted to whatever, right? Because I think you can train them as well as you can train them. But like you said, takes 30 seconds and I don't know, one of your shoes or your Fitbit's gone. Yeah. And we certainly do that uh, in our program. We ask them um, if they can't have their eye on the dog in the very early stages, if the dog needs to be in the crate. I was going to ask. Yeah, we do crate training and we provide a crate. And if they can't, so for example, with a very young puppy, you get up to go to the bathroom, the dog needs to go in the crate. These people that are in the program, they are, some of them, they will be sitting and then they may uh, disassociate. And then there's that dog wandering around doing some naughty things. So we ask them, puppy proof your house. Don't leave things on the floor. Pick up your socks, your gloves, your shoes need to go in the cupboard because those are all the things that your dog will eat and not ingest. True. Yeah, I had my girlfriend's dog, uh, big, oh my gosh, I can't think of the, uh, the breed now ate a plastic bag and had to have major surgery. Yeah. And I'm like, how does it talk? I, I, what are the, I'm going to think of it before we leave, but anyways, but a whole entire bag and was wrapped around, uh, her intestines and stuff like that. So it's, you know, the darndest things that they get into and whatever their, whatever smells good or, you know, sounds kind of fun away they go. Right. But that's, that's sort of, I don't know, like you said, it, it is part of the responsibility and part of, you know, uh, dog owners, they, they just have to sort of beware of what they leave from, you know, the nose, the nose down, right? Exactly. And labs are known for that. They like to eat, they will eat anything and we use labs. So, um, beware. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> beware, hide your socks and shoes. I, I always have a conversation with my dog and I tell her like, she's here for life, but if she eats my shoes, she's gone. She can eat the kid's shoes. I'm good with that, but not my shoes. And so, so far, <laughs> knock on wood, she has not eaten a shoe. Watch, I'm going to go home now. Cause I just said it. And mm-hmm. one of my shoes will be gone, but it's all good. Is there anything else that you want to share about your amazing program? Like, can people I guess, if they want to donate, if they want to contribute to the cause, do they just reach out to you directly? Certainly they can reach out to us uh, or they directly reach out to uh, Boots on the Ground uh, on our website. Um, There's a donate button on our website. They can send uh, information to info at Boots on the Ground and we can certainly direct them from that point. That's great. And can you just tell me what your website is again? So it's bootsontheground.ca. Perfect. And I'm going to include a link in this bio. Perfect. That's awesome. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. One question I forgot to ask, and this is just more me being curious, is when you do the uh, the guide dogs or the other dogs that you were talking about, what you did prior, how long, like what age do they, because they're usually like a year or nine, nine to 12 months or 18 months, aren't they, by the time you give them to their handler? So actually the way the dog guides program works is that you get a puppy at seven weeks. 
and then yeah, very early um because they've got a lot of puppies that they're they're turning out a couple hundred dogs a year they don't all graduate but they're putting out a few hundred dogs a year so you get a dog at um seven weeks and you keep that dog with you that's the tail <laughs> what i was doing i was trying to hold her tail i was oh. trying to catch it so it didn't make so much noise it's all good i love it okay but the dog, so we'd have that dog for about 12 months somewhere in that 10 to 12 month uh time period and then the dog goes back to dog guides and at that point, the dog is in training for another four to six months with not the handler, but a trainer. Oh, okay. And then the dog is paired with someone. So the dog is somewhere around two years old when it's uh, ready to be paired up with somebody. And then at that point, the individual that's receiving the dog comes to their facility, stays there for approximately a month and gets trained on the commands the dog knows oh, wow. uh, and, and bonding with the dog. Wow. So that's that that's the journey with dog guides. And what we were doing was really trying to um, not have the bonding happen at the end. Yeah, yeah. Because um, in my mind, I'm thinking the bonding, just like a child happens early, right? So do they get bonded to the foster family? Or like you said, the handler or the whatever, I would just think what you guys are doing is so important and so key introducing them earlier. Yeah, and, and really the gains that they they can receive, um, early gains. It's interesting. It's, uh, one of the things I was looking back at my notes, and I'll tell you, I'll just read to you what one of our guys said. And it was early in the program. And we, you know, we worried about them having at the very first program, worried about them getting a new dog. It was a lot of work. And they all struggled at the beginning. It was like, they all say, well, I don't sleep very well. But you know what happens? That dog sleeps a lot when it's a puppy, but not when you're sleeping. Oh, got you. So, okay, so this guy, this, this guy is said, awesome. Do you want so, to go? You want to uh, scooch over because we're still recording. Oh, I okay. probably cut this in if that's okay with you. Do you mind? No, so no maybe, problem. So maybe just keep talking like naturally, but I love the fact that you've got sort of a testimonial from somebody. That's awesome. Sure. So one of the guys in our program, it was at three months and we asked them for some feedback. And what he said is I've only had him for three months and he's made a huge positive change in my life already. So that's somebody with a puppy at that point, the puppy's about five months old, almost six months old. And that dog's already made a positive impact in somebody's life. So that's early. The dog has only at that point had general training. We work on obedience, walking properly on a leash. They haven't learned a lot, but what they have is bonded and the individual has purpose. And so what we like to do is we like to use however the dog is, is doing so naturally Rather than training the dog how to do something in a very specific way, we watch what the dogs are doing and we work with what they are doing if it's acceptable to the handler. So if the dog is nudging, uh, one might lean on them if they're what they call their word zoning out. The dogs would perhaps lean on them or put a foot on their foot or do something. If the dog is naturally doing that, then we work with that and move forward from that point. But generally across the board, eight to nine months, the dogs are starting to recognize differences in their handlers. They don't know what to do about it. And that's where the training comes in. Wow. That is, I have goosebumps and I'm going to cry off my eyelashes for sure before the end of it. But that is so profound because like you said, when they're zoning out, typically they're isolated and they're alone and they're not going to call a family 
a friend, a family member or family friend or, you know, a therapist per se, but they've got that dog that's there leaning in saying, Hey, I got your back. Mm-hmm. And that back. Is, yeah. Oh, I love that. That, that must be so reward. I think that is the reward for you ladies, right? When you yeah. hear those stories, is it not? Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That is, oh, anyways, amazing, amazing. Thank you again. I really appreciate your time and I love and appreciate what you're both doing. All three of you are doing, but with the puppies, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us.